culture. 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 Equality, equity, and justice. Mm -hmm. Religion as culture. It's hard to define. Belonging. I would get passed over. Conflict. Conversation. There are conflicts that happen. It's life. Celebrate differences. Compromise. Communication. Culture. Mm -hmm. Culture and belonging. Welcome to the Culture and Belonging podcast from Troy University in the Office of Institutional Research, Planning, and Effectiveness. I'm Rich Leday. And I'm Wendy Broyles. Our world is more connected today than ever before. And yet things like language barriers and oceans still divide us. Our guest today is working to bridge those barriers, Dr. Johanna Albrecht, Assistant Professor of Spanish at Troy University. Dr. Albrecht is a frequent leader of study abroad trips designed to not just teach language, but to immerse students in a different culture and help them develop their intercultural competency. So, okay, you teach Spanish. How would you differentiate or do you? Like, is, is language and culture two separate things or are they more intertwined? Well, as a foreign language educator, we teach five C's. The five C's are connections, comparisons, communities, communication, and culture. So that is one of the five C's that we incorporate into our lessons. That is one of the most important aspects of language learning. You have to have the students make those connections, compare, communicate, obviously, language, and then culture. You, we can't teach a language without talking about the culture. They're tied. For example, my department's the world languages and cultures. It's that culture is part of our identity. And as you learn a language, you learn more about those cultures. And I'm thinking back to my own experiences as a student in a language classroom. Mm -hmm. We learned songs. We learned about foods. We learned about holidays. We learned how family might be different, how the family name might be hyphenated. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about any of those things? Well, sure. I, I mean, it depends. I teach all levels, so it all depends on which course they're in. But even the most basic courses, we are introducing aspects like that. Because when we talk about Spanish, we're talking about Spain and Latin America. There's a lot of countries that we cover. And one thing that I like to do is I feel it's my job to spark that passion that I have for the Latin America and Spain and Spanish into my students. So we try to introduce music, video. We try to get them to seek language outside the classroom. And so as we're going through, even if we're just talking about, say, the calendar, and I say, okay, the Spanish calendar begins on a Monday. I want them to question that. I want them to know why. Why is it that our calendar starts on a Sunday? So even when we're just talking about the days of the week, there are other aspects that we bring into the classroom and the students. I want them to learn about those as well. And I want them to think about it. And I want them to travel and meet new people and ask why and learn more about them, of course. So curiosity sounds like an important aspect of language learning. I want them to keep learning, especially a language. Even when they're done with my class, I want them to use it in whatever field, whatever job they're in, because I just don't want them to memorize words. It's right. not going to help them. Mm -hmm. But when I, see, when I hear them, they go and they say, okay, I work at Walmart, and somebody came in, they didn't speak any English, and I was able to help them. I asked them, how do you think that made them feel? Yeah. And isn't that a wonderful feeling? 
you know, and they want to learn more. And that's what I want to spark in them. Even when they're done with their language classes, I want them to continue learning and helping people. So then I see that Rich is trying to jump in and ask a question, and I just keep talking over here. I'm sorry. But you're talking about making those connections. And in my mind, that's really where belonging exists. That's what I was going to say, Wendy. Imagine that person, though, who's at the checkout counter at the store, and all of a sudden one of your students is able to help them and communicate with them. You may have just contributed a little bit to that person's feeling of belonging. Belonging. Yes. Right? And I mean, I think this is important because if my data sources are correct, Spanish-speaking immigrants are the largest and fastest growing immigrant population in the country. So I think it's, it's not just important to be able to communicate. It's important to be able to help others feel like they belong to the community that they're in. Correct. And then that also is when I take students abroad, I want them to feel like part of the community. So I try to incorporate intercultural competency activities so that they can learn how to talk to other people and and really get to know other people. We I want them to go out and feel like they belong in those communities. And then they come back saying, I want to travel the world. Or yeah. I can meet and work with anybody. Mm-hmm. If I can work with them in a different language, then that means I can come back and I can work with all cultures here in the United States as well. I think that going abroad has the capacity to help a student make that connection of what it feels like to be mm-hmm. yeah, be the other, mm-hmm. you know, and having having seen that firsthand, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I've been on my I went on my first study abroad trip this past summer with Dr. Albrecht and mm-hmm. we went to Puerto Rico and I got to see firsthand though how students respond to being in an environment that's not their own. And that was a valuable learning lesson for me. So I think students need to be able to make that connection when they come home Mm -hmm. and realize the value in that experience because when you go abroad, now you're the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just so you know, uh, my study abroad trips are different from others. My goal is immersing them in the language because that's what I do. I teach language. And so when they go... They are not staying at four-star resorts. They're not getting maid service, and they're lucky if they get air conditioning. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, that was a struggle in Puerto Rico. (laughs) But they're being dropped off in the middle of Puerto Rican or Cuban or wherever I go, neighborhoods. They're with the people. They walk to class. They take public transportation. They are amongst them. And so some students really struggle sometimes, and my job is to help them. But they ha- I love seeing students like gain that confidence mm-hmm. that I can, oh, this is wonderful. I can't believe people live this way, but look how happy and nice and friendly they are. Yeah. And I can, I can communicate with them and survive. I can do this anywhere. That's the kind of confidence you can't just get from a book. No. No. You can't just get from sitting in a classroom. So the study abroad experience takes them out of the class, puts them in a different kind of classroom. And that is the confidence builder right there because you go somewhere and you, you do it. So they're living with families when they For go? the most part. There was okay. one year we couldn't because of COVID. But okay. for the most part, they, uh, I try to put them with families. And sometimes they come back with uh, Puerto Rican abuelas. Or, That's um, good. <laughs> I know of previous students that got married and their, their host mom from Cuba 
four years ago was congratulating them on all their life events. And so, and then they contact me and they're so happy. They make these lifelong contacts in That's 10 awesome. days. Yeah. And I see the students going from, I'm scared. I, I don't drop me off and leave me here because I don't stay with them. You know, they're, right. they're on their own. Yeah. Well, they have a, usually they have a roommate. They're not completely on their own. Okay. And I am available if they need help. But I go from that to crying because they don't want to leave on the 10th day, 10 oh, wow. days, and wow. they don't want to leave. And they realize it's very eye-opening, especially Cuba, for students when, you know, they don't have hot water. And at first it's a struggle, but after 10 days, they're like, oh, I don't need hot water. It doesn't matter. I can, you know, as long as I'm clean. And so you it's see their mindset enough, yeah. completely changing. Yeah. And most of the students that go abroad are, you know, younger students, so 18, 19-year-old students. And this, for many students, many of Troy students who go abroad, it's their first experience abroad. And maybe some of them the first time flying anywhere. Yes, that's correct. So you have to go through the whole process of this is how you get a passport, and this is yes. why we need the passport. And Yes, it's an adventure, but then I, I love seeing them. They contact me saying now they're traveling the world, or they're on other study abroad trips, or I have some. And I'm not talking about necessarily the A-plus students. I'm talking about a student who struggled through my class who's now living in a Spanish-speaking country wow. and, and learned that language while living there. And um, they contact me all the time. That study abroad experience really changes them for the most part not all of them some of them suffer and struggle and some don't get exactly the whole full experience as others and there's only so much I can do I do try to help them but sometimes you know some people don't adapt as well Mm -hmm. and they do learn but it's not quite the same but they contact me all the time and tell it they tell me just how they're traveling the world and how, for example, one contacted me last week. He's been to more countries than I have now. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of him for telling me that. But he made sure to tell me, you know. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years ago, he just left for the first time on an airplane. Wow. And so I love seeing that. It's very rewarding as a, as a professor to see students and hear from them when they tell us things like that. So it sounds like you do a lot of prep work on your side, setting up host families and maybe pairing roommates. Like some study abroad prep doesn't require that kind of stuff. So I've heard your name dropped as someone who is a good resource for people who are faculty who are setting up their first study abroad. So are you getting a lot of calls and emails and questions about how do I do this? I've never done study abroad before. Actually, yesterday we had a session (laughs) for people in um, various faculty members in CCFA who are interested in leading groups abroad. Um, I love to help people. The first trip is always a challenge. It's the paperwork, so much paperwork. As Rich found out this (laughs) summer, it, it is a struggle. It is tough. Some people do use uh, tour companies, but nowadays they're able to adapt to their needs. And so, you know, my needs, like I said, was language immersion. That's what I wanted my students to use the language. But I do take on some of the responsibility. For example, you mentioned pairing them and then teaching them how to buy plane tickets. Certain tour companies do that for you. I do that, and that's how they save money. So one thing that I really believe in is making study abroad affordable. Because I was a poor college kid and I never got to go, and I was really sad about that. I didn't have $4,000 to go on a trip for a month, or for, it was like two weeks. Oh, wow. My parents, was, they weren't going to give me that. I needed to pay, you know, tuition. for food. Yeah. Tuition. <laughs> so um, 
Luckily, though, the university offers a $1,250 grant, and that trip to Cuba, I've gotten down to $1,250. Oh, great. So all their expenses in country, that $1,250 is basically covered by that grant, and that's three meals, housing, all activities, all excursions, everything in country. That's great. All they pay for is plane ticket, and it was $360 last week. That's good. Okay, but so since year trips are so affordable, it seems like more students would be benefiting from the opportunity. Do you have a lot of students that are Spanish minors who are taking part in these trips? Sure. We have other trips, though. I mean, um, from my department alone, we have three. Wow. And there's only four faculty members. So, yeah. you know, we, we have other trips. So, for example, not everybody wants to go to Cuba. Like I said, we're not staying at nice hotels. No we're air conditioning. With <laughs> no hot water. One thing that we do do in Cuba is service learning projects, too. Oh, That's cool. another aspect that I haven't really delved into. But there are trips to Argentina in May. So if you want snow, then go on that trip. Yeah. If you want Puerto Rico, there's two official languages. So Spanish immersion, yes, they'll get Spanish. But those who don't know much Spanish, that might be the trip for them because they'll have some English opportunities. They, they'll be a little bit more comfortable than being in a Cuban neighborhood where you have to know Spanish. So it's a matter of what you want to do and where you want to go. And we have so many other trips on campus. There's one to Spain, Costa Rica. And so I encourage the students to go where they want to go. Yeah. And what is their goal? If they go, say, to the trip to Spain and there's a lot of people who don't speak Spanish, then they're going to be interpreting. And if that's what they want to do, then they should go on that. I encourage them to do that. Or if they want to really use their language skills, they take Spanish classes in Cuba. Then go to Cuba and take those classes and, and learn more. It's, it's a matter of what, where they want to go and, of course, what price they want to pay. I had something good, too. <laughs> oh, you know, one thing that I really appreciated, and I'm going to say thank you, too, for helping me um, manage my expectations on the Puerto Rico trip, right? So... Because I really didn't know what I was what I was getting into. I had never done this with students. So it wasn't just you helping helping me complete paperwork, but helping me to know what to expect and what not to expect. You know, so and I think that's probably another another bit of, you know, what your contribution does to students to help get them to that point where they can be comfortable doing this thing. I know in a previous show we've talked about getting comfortable being uncomfortable yeah you know but it's often nice to have a mentor you know who can kind of help guide you to to that point where you can say wow I am not comfortable here but I'm okay you know well okay so you've heard this before we've talked Mm -hmm. about it before there's like a comfort zone where you know it's sweatpants and my bed and I'm really comfortable right and then there's like a bigger space that's like a freak out space the chaos zone right like you you can't learn you can't operate but in the middle there's kind of this learning zone well before we go during the seminar now not with Puerto Rico but with Cuba in particular we discuss that of course and I tell them you need to tell me when you're out of your comfort zone you're going to be uncomfortable in, in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. It's you're learning and yeah. it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. But I am there and if you're truly 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 in that chaos zone and I had some that were like that in Cuba, they'd come to me. I had one that just she just 
sometimes just needed a mom. So I'd, she just needed a hug. Do you need a hug? Yes. Okay, so I gave out the hugs. And that's all she would need. And then the, the thing is, though, you can take the students, let's say, to a swimming pool, and you throw them in the deep end. That's me throwing them in Cuba, drop yeah. them off. Well, I have to teach them how to swim. If they don't know how to swim, you have to help them swim or at least get to the shallow zone. And I never really thought about it because I'm like, I did my job. I'd take them to Cuba or I'd take them abroad. But sometimes they need, and, and it's not all of them, but sometimes they need that extra help getting them from the deep end over into the shallows or having, you know, some of them swim and they're so excited and happy. But you never know. And that's now I'm able to incorporate more activities to help them with that. So now might be a good time to say, how do you define culture? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, culture is understanding other people, understanding their traditions and beliefs. As I mentioned, I believe that language is a key to understanding that. I believe culture is a belief system, and it varies by person, too. You can't even say, you know, they, this culture is the same as this culture or different than this one, because even within each cultural group, you have variations as well. Um, but that's how I would define culture. That's a good definition. Culture is an understanding. I like that. Yeah. Because no one said that. I don't think anyone said it like that Mm-mm. yet. Well, that's how I saw it. Okay. So when I was little, I used to live in Germany. Now, it was fourth to sixth grade. Those are my formative years there. And I had some German friends. And so it blew my mind. I, my parents were speaking Spanish. We went to an English school on Fort, uh, on a mil- little military institution. Everybody spoke German. And I started realizing that these gals, that my parents were friends with their parents, and we wanted to be friends, but we didn't speak the same language. And so how am I going to get these people to understand my Puerto Rican roots, my American roots, and how am I going to understand them? Well, language was key. I learned German, how to buy, um, how to buy candy, how to <laughs> <laughs> buy ice cream, how to, how to say um, yes, please, and no, thank you, of course. But also, I wanted to learn more about them, and that really started my cultural journey, where I was fascinated by their culture, and I wanted to know more about every culture, and, that, and that's why I think I'm in the job I am now. I just wanted to learn more. And I started thinking, my, I was old enough to think about the differences between the two cultures, and I'd hear things like, I mean, remember, we're kids, so kids at school, they'd say, oh, Germans, they don't ever bathe. And then I'd sit there and I'd think, and I, I'd think, but my friends are so nice. And just because they take a bath or shower once a week, that doesn't make them a bad person. And maybe we, use, we spend too much money on perfumes, soaps. Maybe we, we don't need so much. Why are we taking so many baths and showers? You know, I think about it. I wouldn't have to fight with my parents so much about this bath every night. <laughs> so I started thinking, and then I thought, there's no right or wrong here. It's just different. And that fascinated me so much because even within my little elementary school there on post, there was so many cultures and differences. And so going back to that sense of belonging, for many years, I felt like I didn't belong. I wasn't quite Puerto Rican. I wasn't quite American. And then I was so confused in Germany. But then I started thinking, yeah, I was really confused. <laughs> you, you just don't know. At I a mean, young age. At a very young age. 
but I started realizing, you know what, I am, I am unique. And then I realized everybody's unique. And once I realized that, I felt more like I belong. I belong anywhere, I belong everywhere. And I want to meet people and hear their story and learn about their cultures. And I want to share that passion with my students now. And so that's why I, I think I got into the job I am now. I wanted to learn more about, first of all, my Latin American roots. Mm-hmm. And then from there, now I just want to travel the world and share that passion and love of um, learning about other languages and cultures to my students. That's a powerful statement, though. I wanted to learn more. I, I still do. To learn more. So you said that you belong what do you mean? What is it? What does oh, it mean to belong? Goes. That's her question. I belong <laughs> anywhere where I can adapt mm-hmm. and I want to travel and I feel as if I can work with people from other cultures, work with students from other cultures, that people are different from me. And I just realize that we're all very different and just embrace those differences. And I keep trying to constantly learn and just realize that those differences, um, are wonderful. Mm-hmm. I I don't want people that are like me around me. Um, that <laughs> my husband wouldn't like that either. But <laughs> <laughs> I want to be around different people and learn, and and realize that um, I I am different, but yet I can get along with all. And I want my students to be the same way. Yeah. This whole concept of intercultural competency. I want them to be able to deal to talk to and to work with other people from other cultures, even if they're not going abroad, even here in the U.S., that is very important to me for them to learn. If that's all they get out of my class, then I've I've done a great job, I think. So if nobody heard anything else you said in all the time that we've had to talk, what would be the one thing that you would want somebody to walk away from this conversation? Here's your teaching Understanding. Interdisciplinary competence is so important. It's important to be able to work with, talk to people from other cultures. Seek out people. You don't have to travel abroad. Find others. Learn about them. And then you learn about yourself as well. I was at a webinar, and they brought up all the research how our university students that are graduating in the United States, they need to know a little bit about intercultural competency. Mm -hmm. That's a skill that they have to know. Um, And so now the webinar was geared towards language teachers, but I find it, I think it's very valuable in terms of working with other people. Even if you're here in Alabama, you're going to need to know how to work with people from other cultures. And that's one thing that I, I believe. Our guest for this episode of Culture and Belonging has been Dr. Johanna Albrecht, Assistant Professor of Spanish at Troy University. We hope that you'll subscribe to the Culture and Belonging podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And get involved by tweeting us at BelongingPod. Give us your ideas on what cultural topics we should cover next. Your idea just might end up on the show. Culture and Belonging is produced by Troy University in the studios of Troy Public Radio by Austin Toy, Joey Hudson, with help from Kyle Gassett. So until next time, I'm Wendy Broyles. And I'm Rich Lede, and this is Culture and Belonging. <laughs>